Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Awesome. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's great to be with you this morning on our holiday weekend coming up here on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. Random, right? But Tuesday, okay, even worse. I'm kidding. Um, All right, well, (laughs) it's great to be with you. I am excited to continue our sermon series today on House of His Presence. If you have not been here um, over the last few weeks, we are in in the middle of a sermon series called House of His Presence, and we have been diving into what it looks like to build a house, like meaning this church, with the Holy Spirit rooted in the presence of God, and then as well, we are dwelling places of God, right? With with the Holy Spirit now after the cross, we have become physical dwelling places of God. So look at yourself, say, I am a house of God. I'm a temple of the Lord. And so as we are going through this series, it's twofold. It's the building of this corporate house together, and then it's also the building of the individual house. And We've looked at house of his presence. Um, Aaron spoke on house of worship and what it means to devote our lives in worship to the Lord. And then um, Rochelle last week preached an awesome word on house of his word and the word of God and the importance of the word in our lives. And, and we can't just be spirit with no word. We have to, and we can't be word without spirit. It's the marrying of the two. We are people that are after the spirit of God and after his word as well and being rooted in that. Otherwise, if we're just in the spirit, we, we flow in the wind. We have to be grounded and rooted in the word of God. Um, but also it's good to be a bit noodly too in his presence and be open and sensitive to the presence of God. But today I'm speaking on a house of prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives and how prayer is not just an isolated act or an isolated moment. It's a lifestyle that we are to cultivate as believers. We are priests of God, right? We are priests of God. And I believe that part of the job description of a priest of God is to minister to the Lord through our prayer and through our worship. And so You guys, we all in this room have a job description from the Lord as his priest to minister to him and his heart through prayer, which is pretty amazing and pretty incredible. And I feel that the the church sometimes, we've lost our way a little bit in just the busyness of life. I'm not talking about individuals. You may have an incredible prayer life, but I'm just saying at large, you know, there's often the temptation to allow other things to take place of our relationship with the Lord. Um, We have our social events, our calendars. We have Netflix that we can binge, you know, coming up in five seconds, five, four, three, two, one, the next one. And then you're four hours deep and you're like, it's 2 a.m. What's happening? Um, And we forget that there's there's a, a calling that we've been given as his priests to prioritize in our life. And those amazing things of friends and family and extracurriculars and all the activities and social calendar events, like we've said before, they're not inherently bad at all. They're good, but it's what we prioritize, right? And what we give our time to. And if we're giving our time to those, but we're not spending time in communing with God, in cultivating a relationship, a lifestyle of prayer, then our priorities are wrong. And you can't build a house without a foundation. 
and foundation, the foundation of the house of the Lord, of the house of presence is first and foremost that relationship and communing with him, which comes through prayer and devotion to him and his heart. Amen. So I feel like God in this, in this time, he's calling back his church, his bride to the first sort of the first fundamentals of our walk with him, our relationship with him. You know, when you first became a Christian and you were so on fire for God and you were so hungry for him, you were so desperate for him. You didn't care that he woke you up at 5 a.m. to pray because you just wanted to be in the presence of God. Does anyone have those moments where you remember? You remember being on your knees in your room, crying out to him for a move of God, for him to crash in on your life, for him to pour out his spirit again. Do you remember those times? I feel like God is calling us as the church back to the first love moments of him, of wanting him, of seeking him in the quiet place. Because what you do in the quiet place reflects what is in the public place. And God won't honor you in the public if you're not in the secret. And often there's people who are making a way in the public place, but... they don't have the backing of heaven in the same way because it's coming from a place of shallowness and not a depth in the Holy Spirit and a depth in God. We want to be people of depth, right? We want to be people who are rooted so deeply in his presence that we have a deep well that we have deposited into with the Lord that we draw from in our lives. So that's where we're going today. All right. All right. So prayer is the foundation of the house. Matthew 21, 13, this is Jesus and he walks into the temple and you might know the second half of this verse more, but it says, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But then he looks and he sees that they've turned it into a den of thieves, right? They're, they're selling things in the temple markets. They're, they're making this a place that it was not meant to be. It was meant to be a place of worship. But when Jesus is talking about my house shall be a house of prayer, what he's actually referencing is Isaiah 56 verse 7. And this verse, Isaiah 56 7 says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Come on. So this verse is, it's part of the third Isaiah. There's, you know, different parts in the book of Isaiah. And this particular third Isaiah part is focused on themes of restoration and redemption and inclusion of all nations in God's salvation plan. Okay, and in the verses before this, Isaiah is, he's talking to, or he's referencing the the eunuchs and the outcasts and the people that usually wouldn't get to be part of this inclusion in the house of prayer. And he's, he's reminding them of their acceptance in the Lord and their place in the, in the kingdom of God. And this verse, it, it's very sort of progressive in its thinking because the Jewish religion and the Jewish community was very tight-knit and it was very sort of exclusive. And we see that reflected in the Old Testament as well where people would have encounters with the Samaritan or the Gentile and it was like, you're not Jewish, you're Gentile, right? So 
for Jesus, he's talking about this will be a house of prayer. And then he's referencing Isaiah, where Isaiah is saying the house of prayer will be a place for all the nations to come and gather. And he's saying this has to be the foundation of the temple, right? That it will be a place for everyone to come, to pray, to dwell with the Lord, to be with the Lord. And I look around in this room and I see the nations represented, I see people from Haiti and Nigeria and Colombia and Mexico and Guatemala and Malaysia and Taiwan and England and Canada and America and Ohio. And and this is what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about a place, a place, a house of his prayer where the nations will come to the holy mountain and pray, and be with the Lord, and dwell. And he's, he's, he's prophesying the future of his church, that there is going to be a Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to break that exclusive, you know, separation of races, and ethnicities, and social statuses, and, and create a house of prayer. And that's what the church, us as the church, capital T, Across the world, that's what we're called to be, a house of prayer for the nations to come and dwell with the Lord and minister to the Lord in his holy temple, in his holy place. has to be the foundation of what we build the church upon. Jesus, the rock, and our relationship with him, communion with him. The house of prayers, it's not merely a physical structure. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual concept. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers or the builders labor in vain. We cannot build or do anything without the Lord. We can't strive to have a house of worship without him. We can't strive to have a house of prayer without him. We can't strive to to be people who are in the word, but then there's no spirit of revelation And wisdom showing us who he is, right? If we try to build anything without him, we labor in vain. But with him, we build a house with a firm foundation for our lives. There is power in corporate prayer. Prayer brings unity. So when we're gathered here today and we're praying with the Lord, there's power in that. And the early church in Acts 2, 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The early church understood the power of gathering with one another. That's why we gather in this place, and that's why COVID frustrated me so much, because now, if you watch online, that's totally fine. I get it. But there's something about being together in person. That's why the Bible says, don't stop gathering. Don't stop meeting because there's power right now. When you're gathered in corporate prayer, in corporate worship, there's power in that. God, it creates an atmosphere where the presence of God is magnified, where his purposes are fulfilled. Matthew 18 verse 20 says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I love how Duncan, um, a few, probably last month, he was preaching about the power of agreement, the prayer of agreement. And when there's two of you who gather in the name of Jesus, what you say here and what you declare will be done. And there's a couple in our church, I was texting her last week about something, and she shared with me that 
they had, they started an Airbnb. And when Duncan preached his message on the prayer of agreement, her and her husband came up to the front together in ministry time because their Airbnb was, they had just opened it, but they were struggling to get any bookings. And they were like, I mean, as a business owner, you know that that would be nerve wracking, right? You've got a mortgage to pay. You've got stuff to do. You need this place booked. And they come up together and, and Duncan has preached on this power of agreement. Remember, when you gather two or more in his name, it shall be done, right? So they come up here. They declare that they, you know, pull down the, from kingdom, from heaven. Like, we want bookings, Lord. We, we know that what you've said. We declare that um, our Airbnb will be booked, that our business will flourish and thrive. And she said, the moment we did that, ever since then, we've been completely fully booked. Fully booked. Your prayer, your words are powerful, and don't forget it. (laughs) Satan hates when we call upon the name of the Lord. And there's power when we speak out and when we call out the name of the Lord. When we gather together, it's a reminder that we are not alone. We are not alone. And the enemy tries to divide us and isolate us, divide us on our politics, divide us on our economics, divide us on what we wear or what our skin color is, what, whatever it is, he wants to divide and separate. And God is saying, no, there's power when you gather together and when you pray in my name. So don't stop doing it. Gather, pray, declare uh, you are not alone. You have support and encouragement when you pray in a corporate sort of setting together. There also comes a spiritual reawakening and revival when we pray together. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways." Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you're looking at your nation and you're frustrated at what you see, get in the place of prayer with the other believers and cry out for the healing of your land. Do something about it. (laughs) More than a tweet or a Facebook status or a rant with a friend, get in prayer because God's word says when you cry out, to him and you seek his face, he will turn the people from their wicked ways and he will heal their land and forgive their sins. It's not by man's work, it's by God's work, but it's the power of the believers in prayer with the Lord. Praying together in, in corporate um, setting as well, it, it ignites a passion in us for the lost, for evangelism, for the salvation of souls for people to come into the body of Christ, to come home to their heavenly father. And it's a place where we encounter God's presence. When we're in prayer together with one another, we encounter the presence of God because he's in our midst. And when we're praying, we're communing with him. We're worshiping him and we're encountering who he is. When I was in high school, I moved from Toronto, Canada to Raleigh, when I was uh, a sophomore in high school. And I felt like when I moved, everyone had already had their friend groups from like preschool. <laughs> it was a very small sort of town area in that time, I guess. We were in North Raleigh and it just felt like everyone knew everyone. 
And I moved from Canada, a totally different culture, where when you say, hi, how are you? I'd love to get together. That actually meant you wanted to get together. It wasn't just a nice thing you said. And so I was like, wow, the first few weeks have gone great. I've got so many friends. And then I realized, no, not really. Everyone's just being kind of just nice. <laughs> and I ended up finding a community of, a very small community of believers who were prayer walking the campus at Millbrook High School and invited me to come and join. Some of them had started coming out to catch the fire as we launched the church. And so we started prayer walking the school on the weekends and on different events. And we started, me and this one other guy, we started a prayer circle. And we would get together to pray every single morning at 7 a.m. Because <laughs> the late bell was... My dad knows because he dropped me off. <laughs> the late bell was like 7.20, and we would gather together for 10, 15 minutes, and we would pray. We would pray for our teachers. We would pray for our, the students. We would pray for the principals. We would pray for the fights. Because when I moved here, Millbrook High School was not that great. <laughs> um, there was a lot of fighting. I think, I'll tell you a statistic in a second, but there was, just a, there was a lot of strife and a lot of fighting. Now it's amazing. It's an IB school magnet you know, they've done really well. Our principal, Dana King, turned it around. But um, that was the kind of context I came into. And we just prayed. And sometimes it was just me who showed up. And sometimes it was raining and we prayed under the stairwell because we couldn't go in the courtyard. And we just prayed for our school because we loved our school. And then the next year, junior year, ended up making friends, guys. It's okay. I was not a loner in high school. I had friends. No, I'm joking. So I we... I, I ended up joining the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I became the president my junior and senior year of FCA. We had between 300 and 400 students that would come every Wednesday to get a donut and hear about the Word of God and have a salvation message. And so as I started having a larger sort of Christian like friend group on the high school campus, we still kept going the prayer circle, but we did it once a week on Fridays. And there would be like 50 to 75 people just in a circle in the middle of the courtyard in the school as everyone's walking to class and we would hold hands and we would pray and it would be like popcorn prayer, whatever, but we would pray for our school. And the year before we had 148 fights or something within like one semester. The next year after our, like after we were praying, I'm not saying it's all that, but it's, it's a lot of that. <laughs> it's a lot of prayer and changing the atmosphere in the air, in the school. And it went down to eight fights the entire year, eight fights the next year. And I know what it's like to be embarrassed of that because I would watch people walking past us and be like, what are they doing? And you come here and you don't have friends and you're trying to make friends and it doesn't really look like a popular thing to do. But I didn't care about that. And we shouldn't care about what the world thinks about us talking to our Heavenly Father. About us knowing that we carry kingdom authority. And if we want to see something change, we need to raise our voice and cry out to our Father to see it change. Right? I just, I look back at those days and I'm just, I'm so thankful to the Lord. <laughs> so good. What an amazing season.
of my life that I got to do that with him. So we have the corporate prayer, and then we have our personal prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7 says, pray without ceasing, or pray continually. To cultivate a house, a body of prayer, we have to have individuals who are dedicated and devoted to their own personal prayer as well. People who love the Lord and commune with him on a daily basis, on a regular basis. I've always wondered, like, pray without ceasing. That's so, that's so much. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we achieve that? But it's, it's again, it's, if you look at prayer as communing with my heavenly father, of seeking him, then it's in everything that we do, we're seeking him, right? It's in those moments where we stop and we, the busyness settles down for a second and then we remember and we say, thank you, Lord, for this day. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. That is prayer right there. It doesn't have to be all day long. (laughs) It's the the big moments, the small moments, the in-between. It's everything. It's living a lifestyle. Once again, this Christian walk is a lifestyle. It's It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I watched my son this week participate in track and field. He's a sprinter. Give a shout out. He got... He got three first place ribbons and one second place, but he, he dominated the hundred meter dash. But in the 400, he's such a sprinter that he was with the older age group as well, all the ages. And he saw them shoot off and he just ran as fast as he could at the beginning. And then by the second half, I could see him like, (laughs) you know, he's six. We can't do that in our Christian walk. We can't just sprint out the gate and then be like, flopping on the ground at the beginning it's or halfway through it's a it's a marathon but it's us getting in the place of prayer it's us in our in our down moments crying out to the God pouring out our doubts and our fears and it's in the high moments and it's praising him and rejoicing and thanksgiving it's without ceasing but it's like a relationship and a friendship with your heavenly father Mark 1.35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus is our model. He shows us that he, he leaves in the early morning and goes and finds a lone, an alone place to go pray with his heavenly Father. Jesus, he's pouring out, and he's pouring out, and he's pouring out, but he still is try- he's still carving out time to go and be filled with his heavenly father, to go and, and seek the person who's filling him, who's, you know, pouring out his, um, like Jesus is walking in the power of heaven here on this earth and he's carving out time to go and spend time with his heavenly father. So good. So set aside regular dedicated time in your personal walk with the Lord. I challenge each and every one of us to do that. And it can look like lots of different things. There's many ways for us to express prayer. We could sit and journal. We could put on worship music and just talk to God. We could, um, we could explore like meditating on the scripture, meditating on his word. We can, um, we can pray with thanksgiving. We can pray with praise. We can intercede. There's many ways that we can do this. But develop a habit where you're listening to the voice of God, where you hear his voice, where you know the voice of the shepherd, and you're speaking with him. 
study and reflect on scripture. As Rochelle was speaking last week, when you know the promises, you can declare the promises. You can pray through, as you're reading the scripture, you can pray out some of the scripture, some of the prayers as well. But know the scripture, know the word, meditate on it, and pray that for your life. Declare the promises that you want to see in your life fulfilled. Start or join a prayer group. Come on, start or join a prayer group. If there's not a prayer connect group and you have a passion to pray, start a group. Go talk to Rochelle, start a group. Or go and join in with a group of people who pray. We have on Wednesday nights here at 7 p.m., the men in the church, they meet up there and they pray every Wednesday. If you want to join in, you're more than welcome to. Thursday mornings, I think at 6 a.m., right here in the building, people are praying. And then Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. in the community center, they're praying. Okay, and then there's a connect group that meets on Wednesday nights at 6.30, a prayer connect group. There's lots of different groups that you can get involved in. Join or start a group, get involved with other believers. Um, Engage in prayer ministry. If you have a passion to pray and pray for people, we have a prayer ministry team that comes up here every Sunday that you can be a part of, where you get to partner with someone else, be that two or more, and contend with them for the promises. You can break the power of oppression over their life. You can speak healing to their body. There's many ways for us to join in. Practice fasting. Incorporate fasting into your life. I haven't practiced fasting as much in the last seven years because I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding, and it's just not a great idea, like, (laughs) perpetually. We're done now. Um, But... (laughs) All right, time to fast. (laughs) Um, But... Get in a regular practice of fasting. And if you're not comfortable with fasting food, fast something else. Fast your phone. Fast social media. But get uncomfortable in the place of prayer with God. Because that's where our spirit stretches and our spirit grows. I um, I used to fast lunch on Wednesdays. Uh, during high school, I would go to the library with a group of friends. We would fast that day and we would go and I would pray for our youth group here when I was a student. And I would pray for that night that God would crash in on our ignited youth. I was just a youth leader. Every Wednesday. Practice fasting as, a, as part of your prayer lifestyle. And then cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude. I promise you, if you are grumpy, gratitude gets you out of that grumpiness. They, don't counselors say, like, in marriage counseling either, they're like, Say in the middle of a fight or when you're fighting, look at your spouse and tell them what you're thankful for about them. And you're just like, I'm thankful that you can't think of it, you know, but you're just in that moment, like so angry, but it brings you back out of that place of anger and into a place of back into communion. If you're frustrated or you're feeling discouraged, practice a lifestyle, an attitude of gratitude in your life. And that can be reflected as prayer to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. Thank you that you set me free. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've given me a roof over my head. Thank you for your provision in my life. And you practice a lifestyle of gratitude with him. And then practice prayer in your daily activities. Integrate it as a habit in your life where you're conversing with your maker. 
with your Lord, the Lord of your life. Pray for guidance and wisdom as you're seeking questions, as you're maybe you're making a big business deal or there's a change coming up where you need to change jobs or move or whatever it is. Practice prayer in your daily life so that when those moments come, you know how to hear the voice of God. You know when he's speaking because you've been spending time with him already. When I think about prayer, I think a lot about a relationship or a marriage, right? God, you know, he speaks to us in parallels, but there's so much parallel between uh, a sort of deep, intimate relationship and marriage and our prayer and our walk with the Lord. You know, prayer demands intentional investment from us in our part in the same way that my marriage with Aaron requires that I invest time with him. If we had a marriage where I only spoke to him on Sunday mornings from 9.15 to uh, 10.45, we'd have a pretty terrible marriage. But a lot of us go to church 9.15 to 10.45 and then the rest of the week, sayonara. And then we come back. That's not a relationship. That's barely an acquaintance. It's not a lifestyle. Marriage requires open communication where we share our thoughts, our feelings, our dreams, our struggles. And in the same way with the Lord, we can share with him our joys, our sorrows, our desires, even our doubts. You know, God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid of your doubts. I think a lot of us think we're sinning if we doubt him or if we have doubts and we talk to him about it. You're not. (laughs) God wants to know every part of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff you hide. He already knows it anyways. He can be there for you to pour out your heart to him. How many times do we see through scripture, David pouring out his heart in the Psalms to the Lord before the Lord? It requires us to be open in our hearts to him, which segues into the next trust and vulnerability. Trust is the the bedrock foundation of a marriage, of a relationship. And it's the same with the Lord. Ask yourself the question, do I trust him? Do I trust the Lord with my vulnerability for me to be able to share my heart with him? For me to to pour out my heart before him, do I trust that he's a safe place for me? And then if the answer is no, come and talk to us because we have amazing people in this church that want to heal those parts of your heart and the blockages of why you don't feel trust to be in communion with God. Seek In a marriage, we seek unity and agreement on important matters. I can't go blow $1,000 at the mall and have Aaron's blessing. (laughs) We have to be in agreement in the same way that if he's like, hey, I feel feel God's calling us to move to Costa Rica. I'd be like, "Uh, well, God hasn't told me that. You know, it requires... It it requires unity and agreement with one another in the same way our relationship with God and our prayer life, we we seek God for unity and agreement on important matters. The amount of people that say, "God God is telling me to go do this. And I know, I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if God's speaking that for your life. I'm not, it's important for us to bring in our leaders and people that we see as as, as sort of spiritual leaders or mentors for us to actually ask, hey, are you hearing that too? Is God actually saying that to me? Because I'm not sure. What do you think? That's important. 
It's important for us to be in unity with God's heart, align our hearts to him, surrender to him, and seek his desire for our life, his will for our life. And we get to discover the joy of walking in sync with our Heavenly Father. Who wants to be walking in sync with our Heavenly Father? Who wants to be walking in his will? Come on. Prayer allows us to be in a place where we're in unity and agreement with God. And prayer, same as in a, mar- in a marriage or a relationship where intimacy is cultivated. Prayer brings us into intimacy with God and his heart. We get to become friends of God. <laughs> Sons and daughters, but even more so friends of God in a place of intimacy with him where we know his voice. You know when you pick up the phone and you back in the day you didn't have caller IDs. So your best friend called you, hey Brooke. You just knew it was them because of their voice. Or, hey, mom. Anyone sound exactly the same as their sibling on the phone? And it's like, who is that on the phone? I can't tell. (laughs) But when we cultivate intimacy with God, we know his voice. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And we know what he's saying because we spend time with him. We have a deep place of intimacy with him. So as we're cultivating this house of prayer, you know, presence people pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all types of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. Let's cultivate an atmosphere here where our natural first response is to, our, our first response to challenges, to trials, and also to joy is to enter into prayer, thanking the Lord, blessing the Lord, praising him, even in the deep valley. Praise him. Even in the shadow of death, praise him. Even on the mountaintop, thank him. Don't forget to thank him. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayer is powerful and effective. Yesterday, I was at the gym, and I was listening uh, to the audio Bible so funny because every now and then your AirPod like kicks out and all of a sudden they're like, and Elijah brought up to the mountain and they're like, you're like, oh, pause, pause, pause. Um, <laughs> so loud. Anyways, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, everyone can hear. They're like, what the heck? Meanwhile, they're listening to like, dun, dun, dun. so I was listening, I was listening to first Kings 18. It's the story of Elijah where he you know, there's, uh, Jezebel is killing off all the prophets of the Lord, right? And there's about 400 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And I think they said another 400 of Asherah. And they're praying and worshiping these false idols, Baal. And Elijah comes and he, he gathers the prophets and he's like, let's basically, let's see if your God is real. And if he is, he will send fire down to this altar that you bring. So they cut up the, 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 the bull or the calf and they're, they're cutting it into pieces and they're building an altar. And these prophets of Baal, they're dancing around for hours trying to make fire come down, calling to Baal to make fire come down. And they're cutting themselves and they're doing all sorts to make Baal do what they're asking. And Elijah, he starts building an altar. And I love that as I'm reading it, I love that it says he places the 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He's restoring back what the altar was supposed to look like. 
and he's making this and he says, pour on water all over this altar. So they pour water three times, like big, massive jars and buckets of water over it because he's like, even wet wood will burn with my God, right? And he's pouring it and the water spills out into the trenches. And then it says this, 1 Kings 18, verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's a powerful way to start your prayer because you're looking back at the generations when Abraham couldn't have any children. But God promised him that he would have as many children as the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. And he's declaring in that moment the goodness and the faithfulness that God fulfilled the promise of this covenant. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Meaning I have been obedient to you, Lord. I have followed you. I have followed your voice. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Remember, it's not, it's not Elijah trying to turn their hearts back to him, to God. In his prayer, he's saying, no, God, you turn their hearts back to you. Remember that verse so that you will heal your land. Your, your prayers are powerful and effective. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate before, or they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. I love that. One prayer of Elijah causes God to come in his, all his power and his might on full display and for the prophets of Baal to fall down before them and declare that he is God. Come on. What is it in your heart that you want to see, but you want God to fill you with enough faith for it to happen and for situations to bow before you and declare that he is God, for the enemy to bow before and know that God is good? What are the things in your heart that you want to see that you need God to move in prayer in your life where you're like, maybe I've doubted God. Maybe I've prayed those things and I've said, Lord, answer me. And I felt like he hasn't. I feel like God is restoring today trust again in our walk with him that we can enter into prayer with God and that our prayer is powerful and effective. God is inviting us today to be a body of believers that cultivate an atmosphere of prayer where we as individuals are walking and nurturing our relationship and our prayer life with the Lord. And when we come together, we are powerful, guys. Come on, what would it look like for us to join in prayer together and and cry out for the city of Durham and the city of Raleigh, Wake Forest, Chapel Hill, Pittsburgh, Cary, Wendell, Nightdale, all all the places, Zebulon, Franklin to Youngsville to be saved. Come on, what would that look like for us to have faith in our prayer life as we join together and as we're at home alone seeking him, that God can move when we pray. Let's stand. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. 
To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.